when it was a time of learning basketball and wondering why I would cry after games and I didn't know I loved it. Like I said, I had no idea I loved it. But then when I would see guys play, I would see a guy do something and I'd go right outside and try it. And then I'd be like, oh, I got that. And then soon I, as soon as I would have a game, I would try it and it worked. And I'd be like, okay, I'm gonna put that in my bag. That works. That was D'Angelo Russell. I'm your host, Marnie Gellner, and this is Wolves Plus. I'm on the hustle for the glory, on the grind for the crown. Not to hustle if you want to, if you do, you're going down. Oh! Great catch. He finished. Towns to go bare. Come on now. That's playing with flow. Towns for three. Carl Anthony it is Carl Anthony Towns fourth quarter. It certainly is. Edwards spinning and finishing. D'Angelo from Louisville, Kentucky. I know you're really proud of your hometown, but it was also a kind of a rough place to grow up. When you think about Louisville, Kentucky, what do you think about? I mean, you think of that. It's simple. I mean, it's hard to make it out. Um, definitely from where the, the area that I grew up in. Um, a lot of kids, a lot of talent. Football, basketball, baseball, not a lot of pro sports. So um, college is like a big dream, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so to, to make it past college is an even bigger dream. Um, Obviously, Muhammad Ali's, you know, a representation. Um, I mean, it's just home for me, honestly. Whenever I can get back and, and, and try to show my appreciation to where I've come from, try to do that as well. So it's great. You described it on a podcast you did for the Big Ten Network as there were probably 20 different gangs within gangs in the area, but sports was a motivation to get guys that weren't on the right path. There were two routes down that road. It was either in jail or the graveyard. Mm, that's did, a description. You did your research on that. That's a throwback right there. That Big Ten Network. That's a throwback. Um, that's a. That's a. That was that's, yeah. I that's mean, a good description of Louisville. For sure. Though? For sure. I mean, obviously, you you have gangs everywhere, everywhere you go. But um, like I said, a big deal for us was we didn't really have pro sports. Um, we didn't we didn't see those dreams. You know, to think bigger and be bigger. It was either get a job or. Um, Play for U of L or Kentucky, and mm -hmm. and that's that's it, you know. And um, to 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 make it and, and and get to explore other other parts of the world from basketball, living in Florida, and, and just traveling to all these different cities and, and being exposed to that, it allowed me to come back and know that I, there's somewhere else to go, you know, knowing that I want to get out of the city, and that, that was my motivation. And sports was your way out. And so when you started playing basketball, you had talked about. Um, in the Slam magazine, in that article when you're on the research. cover in 2019, that you got your first rim in your granny's backyard mm -hmm. and that you used to play all the time. You used to shoot really high, too, because you were smaller. And you said all of the kids would come over and play. And they started calling me Rainbow. Wow. You did your research for sure. Uh, That's an early nickname for you, Rainbow? It was just a backyard nickname for me because I, obviously I was younger than all. I had older brothers and older cousins and the neighborhood would make their way over to our backyard once we had the rim. And it was just crowded back there, and I'd be the last pick on the team and play with the older guys. And anytime I got, I would just throw it at the rim. But it, I'd throw it in the air and take yeah. a second to go in. And by the time it went in, it was it was all net, and I and that gave me some confidence. And guys start calling me Rainbow. And if it, it just seemed it seemed like it was supposed to be that way, um, just playing with older guys and getting my experience that way. And you also played. You mentioned you had older brothers. There was one time when your brother Antonio said. 
and was when he was a ninth grader and he was playing one-on-one against you, nine-foot hoop, but that he pushed you a little bit. He was getting physical with you. And his quote was, I was in ninth grade. I'm playing with seniors, playing varsity. And then my little brother dunked on me. And I said, this can't be real. My seventh grade little brother did not just dunk on me. <laughs> I mean, I was the never... Seventh grade? Yeah, I wasn't really a dunker or anything like that. But I just, I, I, I got the... I got to play with older guys, so I feel like I was kind of a, a ahead of my my age group, and um, my brother was always a bully in the in, in the post and, and things like that. So when I got home, it was just that was where I got I got that toughness uh, of just trying to compete a little more and, and crying my eyes out and nobody there to help, and I had to dig my way out. But um, Big Bro gave me a lot of a lot of wisdom right there, and I give him a lot of credit for that yeah. too. Did you know whether it was on your grandmother's hoop or dunking on your brother at an early age or something, did you know, even when you were a kid, that you had a gift? You weren't just good at basketball, but it was like a gift. Uh, I never knew. I always say I was naive to, to how good I was because I just played, I just loved basketball. Um, I loved basketball and I hated losing. So it was uh, when I would play and I lost, I would cry. And then I started realizing why did I feel so 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 down about this game or when I lost at that, and I realized I really love basketball, and that was the it was simple as that. I just love basketball. Um, any age wasn't a thing for me at that at that time. I just wanted to play and compete, so I never knew how good I was. I just just played. You had mentioned Muhammad Ali being from your neighborhood, being from the West End in Louisville, and when you went to uh, Central High School, same high school he mm -hmm. went to, I think there are statues, plaques, yeah. a lot of commemorative um, artifacts to Muhammad Ali. How prominent was he or his his message? His was mm -hmm. Did he ever show up? Did you ever see him? Not as much, he was, he was kind of, um, he was a little retired at that time, but for me it was, I didn't know how big he was. Like I said, we don't have a lot of um, a lot of people that make it out. And I always heard Muhammad Ali. I always saw his statue. Boom, boom, boom. I always saw all of that, but I never um, appreciated it. And then um, the older I got, when I got to pick high school that I wanted to go to, my my family went to the high school that he went to, and I, I wanted to be a part of that, at least be a part of it. Mm -hmm. And um, I got to go for a year. Then I ended up going to boarding school, yep. so it got, it got cut short. But I always took that with me. Did you ever meet him in person? I met him. Yeah, I met yeah. him once. Okay. Um, like I said, I was so young. I, I didn't really get to see him when he was when he was you know at, at sure. himself. You know. But you did meet him. Yep. Yep. Shake his hand, have a conversation. Uh, I don't even think he was doing that at the time. I think he was kind of um, he was kind of guarded, and he was he was we, we weren't really touching him and, and, and talking okay. to him and doing things like that. I think he just kind of had a convention, and um, he has a, a museum in, in the city, so um, you can always go to the museum and see all his artifacts and trophies and all that. So uh, you talked about going to, to boarding school in mm -hmm. Florida, in Montverde, Florida, the legendary basketball academy. Yeah. Um, but you had been about 16 years old because you transferred from Louisville to Florida. Yeah. 14 years old. Yeah. So not just on the basketball side, but on the personal side, are you doing this? You're moving without mom and dad and siblings. Yeah. It's just you. Yeah. How I mean, difficult was that just life-wise? It was hard. It was hard. I mean, you step out your comfort zone at a young age, uh, forces you to kind of grow up. So um, that's what it did for me. It forced me to grow up uh, where I was at. I was, like I said, I was kind of dominating my, my competition at that early age to the point where my dad wanted me to be challenged a little more. Mm -hmm. So once I got the, the attention from Mont Verde, they, they pursued it a little more, told me they wanted me to be a part of it. They had a few other younger guys that were there too. 
So once I got there, I got to grow with like two or three other young guys that were there for four years and we got to just be a part of it. And it was special, honestly. It was the best decision I could have made and um, it prepared me for, for everything after that. I know the basketball is outstanding there. Did you have to do your own laundry and cooking yeah. and all of that? Just yeah. boom, 14 years old, you, you're responsible. Yeah, yeah. We had, um, we had a dormitory situation where um, you had dorm parents and they kind of looked over. You had seniors that were, uh, like I said, the, ath the academic was one thing, but all the athletes were probably, they were, they were Europeans, they were f probably professionals and they're back at home. Mm -hmm. So when they came over here and you saw how they gravitated towards doing their laundry, doing homework, being in study hall, they already, they already had like a college feel to them. So I just kind of picked up on those habits and, and it became an easy transition. You had said that you, it was frustrating. Like it was hard for you for sure. just as a person, but you also didn't play basketball right away a lot. And the coach was really hard on you and it was a humbling experience. Yeah. How much did you sort of need to go through that and to have that higher huge. competition and have that humbling huge, experience? Huge. Looking back. Huge. Uh, if I can be completely honest, I was the, I was the, um, I was kind of arrogant, you know, I was kind of the kid that was, um, I was good where I was at. Once I got exposed to the outside, uh, the, the cities that are closer to me, the states that are closer to me, the, the Ohio's, the Indiana, Baz, and I seen the guys, there was another level to this, but the area that I was in, I was kind of the best and I kind of got treated like it. So it, it helped. It was a gift and a curse. I developed this uh, where I thought I was the man. So then when I got to Mount Verde, I was humbled. You know, I had a lot of seniors on my team that kind of beat me up in practice every day. Uh, never dominated practice. I was a top five kid or whatnot. Never looked like it ever. Um, I wasn't athletic. I wasn't strong. I wasn't fast. So I never looked like who I was or who, who what people heard. So um, once I started learning from that and coach started giving me um, some positive encouragement after getting my butt kicked all night in practice and things like that. I started to get a little more confidence, start to play a little more. And I just kind of took advantage of the opportunity and, I, and that's when I, my confidence just was out the roof. And were you not always the point guard? You were an off guard or a shooting right. guard or some version of a combo guard? Correct, correct. I never played point guard um, until my, I played point guard a little bit in AAU, but that wasn't my comfort zone. Um, and then when it came to being recruited from universities, uh, my college coach that I was interested in the most at Ohio State, he said, if you come here, you're going to play point guard. And it scared me. I was like, really? Yeah, because I never played. Uh, this was my junior year. He told me this. I ended up committing. And he was like, once you get here, I'm putting the ball in your hands if you like it or not. If you don't like it, don't come here. I'm telling you. And I was like, man, I mean, I want that, but I don't know if I'm ready. So that summer, I just kind of. Worked on my handle, worked on my handle. Then I finally got put in a position where I had to play point guard um, at Mount Verde, and, and then I liked it, and it, I had some success. And I always could pass, so it, it was an easy, it was an easy transition. The hard part was figuring out when to pass and when to shoot. So um, it was, a, it was a good transition for me. And I feel like you still don't even give yourself the label of point guard, even if you start as yeah. the one. You're still a guard. You're a shooter. You're a basketball exactly. player, but you don't like the point guard like you don't label it's not that yourself I don't that like way. it it's not that I don't like I just don't feel like that's the word for me okay. um I, I know what point guard looks like um I know what a shooting guard looks like and uh for me I just feel like that's not the the best way to explain my game what is combo I, guard I, I, yeah I like the combo I say hybrid I I heard someone say yeah I heard someone say be a basketball player when I was really young there's no position just be a basketball and I never understood what that meant and then I realized there's basketball plays that you can make 
at any position. You can set a back mm -hmm. screen and be back, just be playing basketball. You set it down, you could slip. There's elements to the game that you gotta learn as well. And um, that's what allowed me to study that part. And it allowed me to be better basketball player, not just a point guard. You ultimately did choose Ohio State, played mm -hmm. your year there, and then in 2015, you're the second pick of the NBA draft. And at that time, obviously, you're ready for the NBA, and you know you're ready. And now, as you head into year eight in the NBA, looking back in 2015, how ready or not wasn't were ready. you for the NBA? I wasn't ready at you all. You were not ready. No, uh, more or less, my body just wasn't ready for 80 games. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't ready for the toll that your body, mm -hmm. I wasn't ready to be a professional. I wasn't ready to um, just, just give my body, my mind, everything it needed to be, just to be a consistent basketball player. Easy to just go out there and play, but to do it consistently every night, it was, it was levels I had to, to, to take and learn. Yeah, the college basketball schedule to the NBA yeah, basketball schedule tough. is a huge leap. Tough, tough, yep, yeah. yep. So, I mean, that was just the, that was one of the hardest adjustments. When people ask, what was your hardest adjustment from college to the NBA? I always just say that, just just learn how to be a professional. You, you, you try to be prepared for what you're going into, but you don't know what to expect, so it's hard to be prepared. Yeah, it's hard to tell people what that's like to travel all and play the, that number of games it. and all the back-to-back, -back, yeah, until you go through it. Mm -hmm. And then you learn your routine, right? For sure. When to sleep, when to nap, what to eat. Or how important it is, how important it is. You learn it, you hear it, but you don't realize the difference that it'll do for your game until you commit to it. And you didn't realize that until you were in it. Yeah, I, yeah, maybe four years in. <laughs> four years yeah, in. Yeah, honestly. I mean, I always wonder why my, um, like, I would see guys around the league, I would see their growth just kind of, and my growth was just kind of, you know, my, just as far as a player. And obviously, situation could play a part and, and things like that. But once I realized that there was levels to taking care of your body and your mind and, and things like that, I, that's when I committed to it. That's when things clicked exactly. differently for you. Yep, for sure. Yeah. So um, I want to go back to, when you were traded from Golden State to Minnesota, because I'll never forget it in February 2020, because there was almost a euphoria around here. And I, I can still picture you in that plane landing at Signature and the camcorder and Carl there. <laughs> and just it was like this, this. It was very welcoming. Very yes, welcoming. their arms yeah. were wide open. Yeah. It was, there could have been a band out there that. welcoming you. Never felt that. So for me, that was huge. Um, I could have done that anywhere. I could have been in you can name it the worst city and if if they opened their arms like that and just welcome me and i'd feel like i was right at home because i've been moving for so long mm -hmm. i mean you could take the nba part but before the nba i was in boarding school at 14. you know what i mean and multiple middle schools and, and things like that so it was just kind of loving the the fact of having some type of stability of being somewhere that wanted you you know sure. so it was cool does that memory feel yeah. like yesterday or a lifetime ago uh, I mean, when you say it, it feels like yesterday, but it feels like a blur, you know, just honestly from everything that's happened since then, you know, just mm -hmm. with every, everything that's happened. We've, we've been, the seasons have been postponed. I don't know if we can count it one season to be two seasons, that half season. Like, I, I don't even know how many years I've been here, honestly. It just feels like a blur, but um, it is a great feeling when I look back on yeah, it, for sure. That all happened, we went into this, this COVID blur yeah. a month, month and a half after right. after you came here. So yeah, exactly. that kind of all rolls into one big, uh, gotta look back and sort it out. Yeah. Um, there was a game in particular when I was just kind of going back through your game logs and in uh, on-court performances that really stand out to me. And there was, 
your your career high in Minnesota, in a Wolves uniform anyway, 37 points against Memphis. It was at Target Center February 24th last season. You had 23 points in the fourth quarter alone of that game. So 37 for the game, but 23 in the fourth. Eight of 12, three assists, zero turnovers in 12 minutes. That was your fourth quarter. Does that game, as soon as I say it, is that clear to you? Or are you like, yes, I know that game. I know what I it remember, did, yeah, of course. Worked. I remember the game, of course, um, but it wasn't like that. It wasn't when I was in the game. It didn't feel like that. You know what it I mean? It didn't. I was just kind of in the moment and um, just taking what 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 was um, given to me. Uh, if I can remember vividly, our team was just moving the ball and we were just playing and and it just found its way to the open guy. And I happened to be the open guy that night. So that's a great feeling, and, and that's what our team's all about. Honestly, we got so many weapons here in Minnesota that is it's a process mm-hmm. of figuring it out and. Um, yeah. Once we do with the new pieces, I think the sky's the limit for sure. Last season, there was a point when um, you, for lack of a better term, I'm just going to say called out the fans, the <laughs> Wolves fans. Yeah. And part of it was yeah, for good reason. It, it had been pretty quiet at Target Center. That could have gone one of two ways. I thought I you. did it. I thought I did it correctly. Yes. You know and I mean? in hindsight, yes, yeah. you I, did. I mean, it was I, I just I've seen fans play a part in in a team success. Um, I mean, shout out to Golden State for the short time that I was there, but I just saw how um, we could come out flat that one night and, and the fans would, would get us over the hump, you know? So for us being in Minnesota, I know when I would come to Minnesota, I would look at it as a game off. I would look at it as like, we're gonna get this game. No oh, really? fans are gonna, no fans are gonna heckle us. No fans are gonna act like um, this is like anywhere else in the NBA. Cause everywhere you go, there's some type of, um, fandom that that, that mm-hmm. stands out and um being well, we didn't here, really have that huh? we didn't have it and i mean y'all had a good reason too you know um just just um inconsistent seasons and success here i understand but just for us to to, to be building what we're building and, and me to have a pe- me to see it somewhere else a lot of people that are here have only been here right so yep. for me to see it somewhere else and come here I, I couldn't sleep knowing that our fans could have been better when we're trying to build we're trying to rebuild well, the fans did respond. Yes, they, yeah. Shout out to they you guys. Heard, yeah, they heard it and they were like, you know what? He's right. And they showed up and they stood to the first basket and they they were with you. Yeah. Do you feel like they're, that created some kind of a bond or some sort For of sure. this mutual admiration or appreciation between you and the fans because of the way that whole thing For played sure. out? For sure. I mean, it makes, when, when the fans are energetic like that, it allows players to be energetic like that. It makes players want to... If there's an exciting play, shake the shake the fans' hands. Uh, if we win a game, um, celebrate on the scoreboard. Like it makes you want to do. They they pull you towards them when when you feel that that energy, and um, I felt it. I felt it, and it, it gets guys going. You could be 0 for 10, and you make that one shot. Fans are saying happy and can't wait. Come on, you you feel that, and and I I just think that's what all we were missing. You. You have the uh, the celebration, the yep. ice in the veins, mm-hmm. and I was trying to figure out how that started. And you had said it's something your dad said yeah. when you were growing up. You said that your dad told you you have to be prepared for big moments. You got to have ice in your veins. You got to have no feelings. You have to go out there, play your hardest, and do what you do. You do. That started around age fifteen. Yeah. For you, like you started. I didn't. Mentality actually, I of did. ice in the veins. Actually, I did. There's a there's a funny clip on YouTube of me. Uh, we're playing in like the I think it was the Dicks National Championship in high school, and I did it. But I never done that. It was just natural. And um, 
they re they brought the clip back from when I was in college, maybe done it, and then and and when I got to the league, I did it. It was never really I never thought about that. It was just kind of a mentality, honestly, of of just playing fearless and trusting your craft and, and things of that nature, and it allows you to kind of blossom in the big moments. You know, when guys may be nervous and, and shaky, you're kind of just enjoying it. You know, and it's it's a good feeling to have. And it all originated from. Things your dad was telling you, yeah. like putting that together? I mean, it's a, there's a point in the game where um, you don't say that play loses the game or that play wins the game because it's a lot of plays that, that mm -hmm. dictate that. But um, when, you, when, when the game's kind of on the line and you need a box out, when you get the box out, then you may need to score. There's always a point where you need to score. You need to make the right play. Having ice in your veins can be that assist. You know what I mean? Having ice in your veins can be that, that tap out for the rebound for this guy to get the three. You know what I mean? It's little plays that, are, that, that dictate winning or losing that, that I feel like you got to be locked in and embrace those moments and want to make those plays. And I just feel comfortable in that setting. Doesn't always have to be the, the, nah, the shot. Yeah, it doesn't. doesn't. I just happen to be a guy that makes shots, not a guy that's making the 50-50 play. You know what I mean? Well, that's not what I'm known for mm. or whatnot. Right. So. Um, you were asked on a podcast about which players you watched video of when you were a kid. And the answer you gave, two players, John Wall and? No, no, no? way. Mm -mm. Really? Yeah, I never, I wasn't, I'm sorry, I wasn't, he just wasn't a guy that I really, I tried to watch guys I could relate to. Okay. So, and he was a little too fast for me to kind of relate to him, um, but he's a killer though, for okay. sure. Okay, well we may cut that part. For sure. But let me give you the other player. Who? Because he's a teammate of yours now, okay. Austin Rivers. Yeah, yeah. You had said that he had one of the best mixtapes yes. out there. Yes, so that's what I said. I said those two had the best mixtapes. Oh, okay, but school. not necessarily that yeah, you were watching them to exactly. emulate them. Okay. Man, we, I try to give Austin his flowers all the time because I was a guy in Florida. I was, I was watching him kind of become this guy mm -hmm. and then go to Duke and thrive and then get drafted. I'd play with him on 2K because I was just kind of in awe. I was a fan. I'm um, still a fan, but when, when, when I saw him in high school and just the level of impact that he had in the game and how many shots he'd make in a row at the game or how many plays he'd make in a row, mm -hmm. I was just like, there's levels, you know? He was one of the first guys I kind of seen just skyrocket like that and, and be that. So now as his teammate, have yeah. you ever told him that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I can't help it. Like, I, I, I try to be the guy that is um, just super honest. You know what I mean? If I'm a fan, I'm going to tell you, mm. you know, um, in our league, a lot of guys are, it's not cool to be fan, like a fan. You know what I mean? It's kind of, we're all competing. You're, you're trying to reach the newest height yeah. you could possibly reach. And being a fan and playing against these guys, hard to do that and give these guys respect at the same time. Like, so for me, I, whenever I get the chance to give guys their flowers and, and show how much I appreciate them, I, I can't mm. help it. And I'd love to hear it because if I had said, hey, Nate, Tell me who uh, D'Angelo Russell used to watch video of. I don't think a lot of people would say Austin Rivers. Yeah, nah, so I'd love to hear sure, that. For sure. No, I, I just, when it was a time of learning basketball and wondering why I would cry after games and I didn't know I loved it. Like I said, I had no idea I loved it. But then when I would see guys play, I would see a guy do something and I'd go right outside and try it. And then I'd be like, oh, I got that. And then soon as soon as I would have a game, I would try it and it worked. And I'd be like, okay, I'm gonna put that in my bag. That works. And Austin was a guy that I seen doing the double jab and the right to left cross and the hezzy pull and all that. And I put all that in my bag. Things that you could do that For fit sure. your style and your talents. For sure. Yeah. Nope. Oh. You 
you have a lot of tattoos mm -hmm. and I'm guessing they all have meaning. They all have purpose. Mm -hmm. What was your very first, when was it? How much thought went into it? Was it difficult to be like, okay, I'm actually doing this. I'm going for it. Cause yeah. it's pretty permanent. Yeah. Um, I was young. I was young, not a lot of thought into it. I think I kind of Googled it at, at the tattoo parlor. Um, <laughs> so I that's just, how much thought. Yeah, it wasn't you a lot of thought. You were already at the place. Okay. I have like a chest tattoo that just was so random. But um, funny story about it, my dad was kind of, he swore I would cry. So he was all about letting me get it done and, and things like that. And he told me, if, if once you commit to college and qualify and you got everything locked in, I'll let you get your first test, okay. And I was committed. I got my, my test score, ACT, all of that. I was locked mm -hmm. in, and I came home and got my tat. And I was, it was the biggest deal in the world for me, like, because I, I always wanted tats, and, and I wanted them young. I didn't want to wait until I got older. It didn't seem that cool. Um, so, I mean, that was, that was my first, and then it was addicting, and it, the sky was the limit from that point on. Did you have a plan from the very beginning? I kind of would match I, and match up? No, nah, I was always just big into art. Okay. So a lot of my pieces are art. And um, I just kind of mesh them together and whatever it looks like, they're all pieces. So I you, appreciate it. Are you still adding to this day? Yeah, here and there, whenever I get a bug to just want to get some ink done. I got, like you said, I got my son. So I'd love to, to get his name or some type of representation right there. Yeah. yeah. Well, they all have meaning. That would be meaning. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. I'm fascinated too. I, I don't have any tattoos, but I find myself a lot of times staring at people who have multiple yeah. because it is art. And yeah. sometimes I'm just, I can't believe how the color or how that t connects to that or what does for that sure, mean? For sure, for sure. So if I'm ever staring at you, no, it's, it's, it's fine. for good reason because I'm trying to figure <laughs> out why it says time or now yeah. right here on your shoulder. And I'm like, what is that? Where's the rest of it? Yeah. Where does it end? Where does it begin? I mean, I just, like I said, I, I got the bug. Once I got a few pieces, I continued to get them when I, when I felt it. Um, now, that's a funny one too. I, when, I, when I got traded to Brooklyn, it was during my um, contract extension, and I just had this click in my mind, just more or less, you gotta get this done. Like, you, you gotta lock in, like I said, commit to my mm -hmm. craft sure. and my sleep and my eats and all of that. And that was just a reminder for me, just like every day you wake up, you brush your teeth, you might see it, and it's, it's just, you gotta commit to it, you gotta lock in. And that word, it. now. Yep. yep, it's right here on your, mm -hmm. in front of your shoulder. Yep, yep. okay, interesting. <laughs> I have read, you have a love for dogs. Mm -hmm. True? Yeah. Yes. Um, your dad had said if anything happened to a dog in a movie or a TV show when D'Angelo was little, he would break down crying. Where do you <laughs> See, think? See, I cried about stuff I cared <laughs> about, I swear. Uh, yes, well, we all do. Yeah. Where did this love of dogs, is it animals in general or specifically dogs? Where did this come from? Uh, I mean, I had dogs, so that was the dog thing. But animals in general, I just didn't like seeing dogs get hurt. I mean, it was just, or animals get hurt. Yeah. I just I didn't like that at all. But um, my grandma, she had a dog named Max, and he was the first dog I kind of really fell in love with. Um, always played with him, loved him, just curly poodle. And I probably had like six or seven dogs after that, and they all, his name was Max. Like, <laughs> <What>? it was, <laughs> that was just my thing. Uh, I love Max. Okay. And I got a dog now, his name's Max, so. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I always appreciated dogs. I mean, if you're, lo if you're by yourself, dogs, great, great, great company yeah. right there. Um, now I have three dogs, so it's cool. Max, Max, and... No, no. <laughs> no. Max, Molly, and Nino. 
Okay, so you did veer away eventually <laughs> yeah. from Max after, after Only because she was a girl dog, and I didn't think that, was, that would make sense. Okay, did, did you want to be at one time or maybe think about it, a veterinarian when I you were did. a kid? I did. That was my dream for sure. I'd really? always tell my, yeah, I always told my mom I wanted to be a vet. Um, I loved animals. In any movie, if I saw an animal go through anything or a little squill or something, it just it hurt me a little bit. So mm -hmm. definitely wanted to help animals. And you're still, you have three dogs, so that's still a prominent part for of sure, your life. For sure. Yes. You are obviously left-handed. We see you play basketball. Are you left-handed in everything mm -hmm. in life? You write left-handed, yeah. you eat left-handed, like mm -hmm. you are lefty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I. it was one point where I was trying to, like, I wouldn't say be right-handed, but I was just working on my right hand, obviously, because basketball was my dominant hand. And um, I remember going to college and my college coach telling me about a player that he had before that was dominant right hand. He never went left. Mm -hmm. And I, he was like, you don't want to be that. You want to continue to work them equally. And, and I was walking around, picking up rocks with my right, trying to brush my teeth with my right. I was trying to eat right hand. I was trying to do everything. And then it just slowly started to feel comfortable. So um, I used to have no right hand, couldn't do anything with my right hand. Now it feels a little, a little equal. Is that a family trait? Parents, brother, no. sister, you have anyone that's left-handed? No, I think I'm the only one. Really? Yeah. That's very unique. It is. I think I'm the only one for sure. No. I I do like daily activities left-handed. I write left-handed and I eat left-handed, but my sports are right-handed. But when I was in school, the notebook, it was very oh, difficult. Yes. The coils or yes. the pencil, you're just yes. spreading everything. Yes. Did you have that in school yes. too? Yes, yeah. I mean, it was tough. I mean, you, you always had markings on your paper from the pencil or whatnot. Mm -hmm. But it's, like I said, it's a gift and a curse, um, being left-handed and, and teams trying to scout for you and send you the opposite way or forget you're left-handed because they're used to all these right-handed mm -hmm. players. And, and it worked out. Yeah, I feel that as a defender, yeah. it's it just takes a minute to remember, oh, yeah, he's going to shoot. The longer you're in the league, the more people remember you're left-handed. You know, but once course. you first come into the league, everything is easy and simple because they don't, they don't, they're not catching on. But it's a gift and a curse, honestly. Mm. When... Uh, I'd read you started playing golf too yeah, a yeah. couple of years ago. Did mm -hmm. you continue? Are you still, I mean, not in, yeah. in season, but yeah. you picked it up. I love it. I love you it. Love it. Yeah. I love golf. Um, I mean, it was more of a during COVID, what, what was something we could do sure. and just keep our minds going. And uh, a lot of my friends picked it up and um, yeah, I'm invested. <laughs> I, um, I got the golf bug and, and I, I try to get out as much as I can without my girlfriend getting too mad. Um, I try to squeeze it into my schedule without it being the only thing that's going on in sure. my schedule. Um, but it, it, it offers a, a sense of therapy for me, honestly. When I'm on the course and the course is lovely, the weather's nice, and I got my friends out there, yes. and, and it's, the vibe's right, a little music. I just feel like it's therapy. It keeps my mind going. It's always challenging, and it's never easy. Are you a natural? A natural? Picked it up really quickly? I, people say that, people say that, but obviously I want to be better than what I am. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I don't know. I have no ideas. Every day is different. You swing left-handed, mm -hmm. I assume. Yeah. Yep. That's a little bit too difficult too, because you're watching YouTube videos, I'm sure, and your you wrist and elbow, and you're trying to I try to stay opposite. away from the videos though. Do the, you? The YouTube videos on golf, it'll have you trying so many different things. Oh man, oh, you could be on there for it. hours, days. It's not worth it. So I try to get a, one coach that I can mess with and, and have him come see me and, and things of that sort. but. I love golf. It's addicting. <laughs> it's addicting. And especially, I feel like professional athletes, when you're used to being the best at what you do, you start golf and then you can't stop until you are great. It's frustrating, for yeah. sure. A blessing and a curse. Yep. Um, 
I want to con- congratulate you before I let you go on uh, your baby boy. Thank you so much. Born at the end of September. Yes. Uh, you got a whole new world in front of you. I know you know that. Yes. Thank Congratulations you so much. On thank baby you. Boy. Shout out Riley Russell. It's my guy. Oh, sweet. Thank you. Um, we're going to leave you with uh, oh the questions I forgot in my bag. So okay. Give me one second. Let's do it. My phone? Oh, appreciate it. I thought maybe you just dropped it. It was running away this from me. This is just the quick finish. So. Let's do it. Free, you got to, you just waiting to escort or you okay? No, okay. Just oh, oh, okay. I appreciate that. Thank you. We like to wrap up with just a few uh, really hard hitting questions. Let's do it. To walk you out the door. Um, what did you, what was your? Like? Yeah. I like those. Where, it's a hot seat, but they're cool questions. Let's do it. We're going to workshop that. Um, here we go. What is your least favorite food? Least favorite food? Um, I, I'm not really a shrimp guy. So I would shrimp. say shrimp's good, but it's just not my favorite because okay. I know it's what it does for my allergies and things like that. So shrimp for sure. Cold, hot, nothing. Just Yeah, anyway. I, I, it's not bad. Like shrimp's not nasty, but... If I can stay away from it, I do. Okay, fair. Do you have any superstitions? Superstitions? Yeah. When people say things that, um, it's weird, but golf kind of really taught me this, honestly. Um, You're lining up to a shot, and um, someone's like, man, I'm about to hit this in the water. Before they even swing. Can't say that. You can't say things like that. And I, that's my superstition, if that's even one. Like, just in life, though. Like, mm-hmm. dude, I just don't – I hear that when people say stuff like that, and it just registers with me. You don't want to put it out there mm-hmm. into the universe. Exactly. I totally missed – you're sitting there in your Augusta. Oh, yeah, I'm swagged Sure, we're talking out, right? about golf, and here you got an Augusta, Augusta pullover I'm on. I'm swagged out. I know. I know. But you've never played. You, never. You said you've never, never played, played Augusta. Augusta. No. I'm just Someday. a fan. I'm, yeah, hopefully, if, I'm, if I can – if I can last out there, but hopefully, It'd be dope. I, I would guess if that if you make that as a goal, you're probably gonna get there. It's a lot of good courses, so if I can get there, it'd be like a trip for me. You know, I have to go out oh, my yeah. way to make it happen. You know, best birthday present you've ever gotten? Oh, it was more or less the people that were there. Honestly, I got like a um, I, I went on a trip to um, the Caribbean. And um, I had a bunch of people there. Just, just to, and we were just vibing out. Mm-hmm. I wasn't trying to celebrate my birthday. It was just happens to be during All Star break, you know. And um, All Star is always around my birthday mm-hmm. time. And we just took a little trip just to get away because we had some time. And it turned into like this big bel- birthday celebration for me. And I was completely caught off guard. Of course, I was crying. And it was just um, that was the best thing for me, honestly. So not a gift, but an yeah. experience, yes, a celebration. Yes. Yes. But I never Memories. get to celebrate. Honestly, being in the season, if your yeah, birthday's not in the summer, it's, and I'm always in, like, Milwaukee somewhere that, you know, it's not a lot of things going on. And uh, we just happened to be able to get away for All-Star, and it turned out perfect. Excellent. Yep. That's better than flushing before you're right, you're right. <laughs> Okay, last one. What is a fashion trend you wish would come back? What are you waiting on? What did you love that you wish you could still pull off? What what doesn't go right now? I feel like nowadays anything goes. Everything's back. Like big pants, big shirts, small pants, small shirts. Uh, 
chucks, socks mm. tucked in your pants. Everything that's, is yeah. going right now, so I can't really. That's true. I can't really. Um, I like the way fashion's going, though. I like that everybody has confidence to try anything because I feel like that's what it's all about, just the confidence factor. Um, but if I could say, uh, I like. Uh, I think people don't wear V-necks. V-neck, you know? okay, like, like a T-shirt or sweater. Yeah, like a T-shirt or okay. sweater that's kind of a V-neck. And mm -hmm. yeah. They have a design or may just be uh, simple. I think something like that's not really in style or fashion nowadays. So if that, if that was a thing, it'd be cool. Okay. You're a fashion guy, too. You're pretty yeah. conscious. You're well put together. I just, game days, yeah, oof. Keep it simple. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having Thanks. me. Yeah, it's been it's been fun finally getting you on the show. Thanks for letting us get to know you a little I bit. I love this. Yeah, I love podcasts and just chopping and just talking. I enjoyed it a lot. Well, we did too. So thank you. Thank you.